Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, our Lord teaches us wonderfully in our gospel on the forgiveness of sins. It begins with him getting into a boat, crossing over, and coming to his own city, to Capernaum, his base of operations, so to speak, in Galilee. While he was teaching, some brought to him a paralytic on a bed. St. Matthew gives us this account quickly and to the point, but we know from the other gospel accounts that these men did not bring the paralytic man lying on his bed in the expected way. There was no way for them to bring him close to Jesus if they simply carried him into the house. Everyone wanted to see him and was crowding around. How could they take their friend on his bed to Jesus while he was teaching surrounded by so many. When there, where was there any room? They needed to do something drastic. St. Matthew singles, signals this to us by just saying, then behold, some brought to him a paralytic man lying on a bed. But we know from St. Luke's account that these men had cut a hole in the roof to lower their friend down before Jesus. All involved, those who brought the man and the man himself had faith. They all trusted that Jesus could heal this paralytic, including the paralytic himself. And our Lord does not even give them a chance to talk. He doesn't give them a chance to ask because he saw their faith. He knew what they wanted even before they asked, and he's ready to grant to them the desire of their faith. But what he does is even more, for our Lord does not immediately say to the man, Arise and walk, but instead he says to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Our Lord saw their faith not only through their actions, but also within their hearts as well. Yes, he saw the obvious need of the paralytic who was confined to his bed, but he also saw the need which was pressing on his heart. He saw the burden which the paralytic was carrying around his neck. He saw his sin and its mass that weighed him down. No one else could see this. This was only known to the man and to God. The man knows deep within his heart his own sin. He knows how far it reaches, how deep the rot goes. He knows its darkness, its weight, and its stench. No one knows this and the burden he carries in his heart except for himself. No one else but the Lord. He knows. He knows the weight of sin that this man is carrying. He knows the burden he's bearing in his heart. And so our Lord, knowing this burden, knowing that this man has been brought to him, uh, and that he has this knowledge of his sin and is sorrowful over it, says to him, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. The paralytic was feeling weak and heavy laden. 
encumbered with his sin. He felt its effects acutely. He knew his alienation from God because of his sin. He knew that he could not please God and that he deserved nothing but death and hell. Jesus sees this in him, and so before he deals with his physical ailment, he deals with the spiritual one. He will not only heal the body, but he will first heal the soul. And see how gentle and kind he is with this man. Our translation says son, but it's better translated as just child. It's a term of endearment, of love, of tenderness and care. Child, when loved by God, when loved by Jesus Christ. It's the way a parent sweetly addresses their own. Be of good cheer. Take heart. Know the peace of God and the joy of salvation. Fear your sins no longer, nor death, nor hell. But, and no longer be weighed down by your sin. No longer be wearied by their penalty. No longer feel God's wrath, but instead know his love. Your sins are forgiven you. Yes, our Lord Jesus will heal the man of his paralysis too, but like an expert and skilled physician, he knows that he needs to treat the most pressing matter first. Thus he gently and lovingly encourages him and then pronounces the absolution. Your sins are forgiven you. There were present at that time in the house some of the scribes who came from Jerusalem to keep tabs on Jesus. They were present in Capernaum, in Galilee, and wherever they might find Jesus, so that they could keep a watch on what he taught and did, that they might report back to the Sanhedrin what was happening. They had done the same thing with St. John the Baptist, sending scribes to investigate his baptism. Now, when they heard this at once, said they said within themselves, This man blasphemes. They did not say it out loud. They did not whisper it but they said it in their hearts. They saw Jesus saying, Son, take cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And they said, This is blasphemy. And as the other gospel accounts expand for us, this is blasphemy, for only God can forgive sins. And in a way, they were right. Only God can forgive sins, and this is correct. The forgiveness that Jesus gives this paralytic is not the forgiveness of one who has been wronged by another and so forgives him, but it is the forgiveness of God. It is the forgiveness that Psalm 103 describes, saying, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. This is the forgiveness that Jesus speaks to the paralytic, real, true, divine forgiveness. The forgiveness which takes sin away as far from the sinner as the east is from the west. 
that hurls the sin into the depths of the sea and totally removes it and thus God's wrath from the sinner so that only his love and compassion remain. This is the forgiveness that Jesus gives the man. The scribes were right in a sense that this forgiveness can only come from God. But they were wrong in asserting and thinking that it was blasphemy. Because Jesus is not blaspheming. He's not doing this without warrant, but he is doing this because he is God in human flesh. Jesus is able to forgive this man his sins because he is the Son of God. He is the eternal Word made flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, he does not forgive this man's sins because he is a man, but he forgives his sins because he is God. Jesus Christ is a man, but he is also God. God and man in one person, possessing both perfect divine nature, the perfect divine nature, and a perfect human nature. Thus, he speaks this word of forgiveness, already knowing that he will go to the cross to die for the sins of this man and for the sins of the whole world and to atone for them. And so he sends them away, gives him full pardon, forgiveness, and remission of his sins. The Lord sees his sins no longer, for he has forgiven them. Thus, he encourages him to be of good cheer. For if he has forgiven his sins, he has peace with God. And just as our Lord knew the paralytic was suffering from the weight of his sins in his heart, so too he knows the scribes' thoughts. He knows what they're thinking, and he knows what they're planning. He knows that they think he is blaspheming and that they won't hear any word that contradicts that. They will use this as a pretense to put him to death and to get rid of him. And so he says, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say arise and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority, has power on earth to forgive sins, then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Here our Lord shows the scribes that he indeed has the authority to forgive sins, that he is not only a man, but he is the Son of Man, God and man in one person. He asks them which is easier to accomplish, forgiving sins or healing paralysis. Both of these things are divine prerogatives. The Lord God is the one who heals and makes alive. He is the one who forgives. And so here Jesus shows these scribes that he has this authority and power on earth as he already has it in heaven by healing this man. He has authority both to forgive and to heal, for he is God in the flesh. When the multitudes saw this, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. The multitudes had heard Jesus say, Son, your sins are forgiven you. The mul they had no proof, however, that Jesus could do what he said. Now they had proof of his authority, of his power, of his divinity. And so the people marveled and glorified God. A better way of putting that, rather, of translating it, is that they were afraid and glorified God. They were afraid because if Jesus has this power, 
this authority, and then he must be in some way divine. They were afraid because God was present. He was in their midst. They were like St. Peter, when after the Lord first caused him to catch a miraculous amount of fish, fell on Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. The fear, they fear, because sin cannot exist in God's presence, nor can sinful persons. They were afraid, just as Israel was afraid at Mount Sinai, when God spoke to them from the cloud, giving them the Ten Commandments. When he descended upon the mountain in the midst of thunder and lightning, smoke and trumpets. Yet they were not only afraid. They had that fear, and yet they also glorified God because he had given such power to men. They gave praise and thanks to God because he had given Jesus, the Son of Man, the authority to forgive sins. This is truly a great and wonderful thing and something for which we likewise praise and glorify him for. For Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world through him might be saved. He did not come to condemn the people who he was teaching. He did not come to condemn the paralytic. He did not come to condemn you or me. The world, the people, the paralytic, you and I, were already condemned by the nature of our sin. But he came to save us. He came to take that sin upon himself, to die for it, to make atonement for it, so that our sins might be forgiven, so that believing in him, we might not be condemned, so that through faith in him, trust in him and his sacrifice for sins, trust in the promise of forgiveness for his sake, that we might be forgiven and brought into a right relationship with God. Surely there is nothing that can compare to this love and to this sacrifice, that to redeem a slave, God gave his only son. And truly the crowds who were afraid and glorified God because he had given this authority to men, plural, not just to this one man, were correct. For God has given this authority to all who are in Christ Jesus. He has given this authority to his church. This authority and power is God's alone by right, but he has said that through his Son, those who are in him are able to forgive the sins of others. First, our Lord said to Peter, as representative of the apostles, and then to all the apostles and the church, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. He says this in the context of how many times should I forgive my brother? He says this in the context of answering how we are to forgive those that sin against us. Yes, our Lord has called us to forgive one another our sins, to live in peace with one another. When one sins against us and comes to us in repentance, we are to forgive them as God has forgiven us. When one is troubled by their sins, we are to encourage them in the faith and the promises of Christ, pointing them away from their sin and towards the forgiveness which Jesus has won for them on the cross, to remind them that 
what he has done for them and that he is in our midst. It's what Luther calls the mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren, that we encourage one another, comfort one another, and forgive one another our faults. It is the living out of what St. James writes, saying, Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And who is the one who is righteous except for the one whom God has justified, whom God has declared righteous by his grace? Who is the one who is righteous except the one who has been forgiven their sins by Christ's sake, for Christ's sake? Always relying on him, let us encourage, comfort, pray for, and forgive one another. And so, too, we see this forgiveness of sins given to men in the office of the keys. This he has granted to his church, and it's exercised through the office of the ministry for the sake of good order. But note the difference between the absolution which Christ gives the paralytic and which happens in confession and absolution. When Jesus forgives the paralytic, he forgives the paralytic from his own divine authority. When the pastor forgives your sins, he does not do so through his own authority, because that indeed would be blasphemous, but he does it in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ. And while the that is different, the forgiveness itself is the same. What it accomplishes is the same, because God Almighty is the source of that forgiveness. The gift has been given so that you may know and trust that this forgiveness that the pastor speaks to you is not his own forgiveness, but is God's forgiveness. God himself working through the pastor to say to you, be of good cheer, my child, your sins are forgiven you for the sake of Jesus Christ. Have peace then, brothers and sisters, knowing that Jesus said to his apostles, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. This is surely a gift of God and something for which we should marvel and glorify him for what he has given to men, so that we may not be terrified of our sins, but know that he forgives us, and trust that for Jesus' sake he has removed our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. May God grant that we always trust in him and his mercy and forgiveness, which we only have through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen.